Hello, and welcome back to the Test Drive Podcast, brought to you by Sport Car USA. I'm your host, Lee Baudet. Hi, everyone. I'm Lee Baudet, welcoming you to another Test Drive Podcast. It's Test Drive Podcast number 41. I've been a radio broadcaster for over 40 years. I host a Sunday morning show on WOKO in the Burlington, Vermont area, and I've been a car enthusiast my entire life. So we want to mix it up a little bit here today. About once a month, actually, we're coming up with a new series called In the Rear View. And today will be our first episode of In the Rear View, kind of taking various people and subject matter into our own hands and delving right into the history. Today, we're going to be talking about the John DeLorean story. John DeLorean was born on January 6, 1925 in Detroit, Michigan. He was the oldest of four kids and his father, Zachary, was a Romanian mill worker who emigrated to the United States at 20 years old. When John was born, his father had switched careers. He was now a union organizer at the Ford Motor Company. That factory was in Highland Park. Being from Romania proved to be a large obstacle for Zachary because of language barriers and lack of education. Now, these factors all made it hard for him to get a higher-paying job. John's mother was Hungarian and also emigrated to the United States. She worked for General Electric, also known as GE. John's life was certainly not the easiest growing up with a strained household that would inevitably split apart in 1942. As a result of this, John DeLorean wouldn't have close contact with his father as he got older. From an early age, John showed an interest in engineering and would later be accepted into Cass Technical High School. From an early age, John showed an interest in engineering and would later be accepted into Cass Technical High School, a technical high school for Detroit Honor students. He would excel in his studies within the electrical program. His excellence in these programs would net him a scholarship with a very popular school for some fellow auto engineers. Lawrence Institute of Technology has a lot of graduates that go on to work for Ford and General Motors. World War II struck and put a hold on DeLorean studies. He was drafted and served three years in the U.S. Army. He was honorably discharged and would return home to take care of his mother and siblings who were in a poor economic state. He would work for a year and a half to help his family before going back to school to finish his degree. Finally, in 1948, John graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree in industrial engineering. After selling insurance for almost a year and being very successful in selling to fellow engineers, he grew bored of the work. In his autobiography, DeLorean said that he did the insurance job as a way to try and better his communication skills. After insurance sales, the Factory Equipment Corporation was his next job, and it was also lucrative financially. None of these jobs were overly fulfilling for him, and he would eventually find himself in the Chrysler Institute of Engineering. This got his foot in the door in the automotive industry and auto engineering as a whole. In 1952, John finished his master's degree from the Chrysler Institute in Automotive Engineering and would then join Chrysler's engineering team. DeLorean worked for Chrysler for less than a year after this. In 1953, he was offered a job with Packard Motor Company for $14,000 a year. He worked on improving the automatic transmission systems. After four years at Packard, John became the head of R&D, that's Research and Development, in 1954, Packard was looking to merge with Studebaker Corporation. DeLorean was considering moving to the new merge company, but Oliver Kelly, vice president of engineering at GM, had other plans. 
1956, DeLorean accepted a position with GM's Pontiac division as an assistant to chief engineer Pete Estes. Seaman Bunky Knudsen was the GM of GM at the time, and he and DeLorean quickly became close. In his time at GM's Pontiac division, DeLorean was largely responsible for the Pontiac GTO. Pontiac would reach top three in annual sales, and it was making a name for itself in the muscle car category. The Tempest Le Mans editions of the GTO would offer a larger engine package later in 1964. DeLorean's career took off when he joined General Motors in 1956. He quickly climbed the corporate ladder, gaining a reputation for his innovative ideas and flamboyant personality. He played a significant role in the development of several iconic GM cars, such as the Pontiac GTO, the Pontiac Firebird, and the Chevrolet Vega. His success at GM made him a household name in the automotive industry. At the age of 40, DeLorean broke the record for the youngest division head at General Motors. In the later 1960s, the Ford Mustang was dominating the pony car market. DeLorean wanted to get GM into the market and was looking to produce a smaller version of the Pontiac Banshee for the 1966 year. The GM execs rejected his idea because they were worried that it would take away from sales of the Corvette. They were also focused on the all-new Chevy Camaro design, and Pontiac made their own version of it with the 1967 Pontiac Firebird. Now, after the Firebird made its debut, DeLorean quickly got to work on another project. The Grand Prix would be introduced as the division's personal luxury vehicle. DeLorean knew that Pontiac alone could not support the cost of this new car. So he went to his old boss, Pete Estes, and asked him to share the cost of development with Pontiac, having a one-year exclusivity before Chevrolet released the 1970 Monte Carlo. He agreed, and the 1969 Grand Prix would be made. It had sharp body lines and a six-foot-long hood. This new model featured a sportier look, high performance, and somewhat smaller frame. It was a lower-priced alternative to other personal luxury cars in the market. The 1969 Grand Prix ended up selling over 112,000 units. The 1968 model sold only 32,000. DeLorean started to become a lot more popular, and he started enjoying the celebrity status that he was getting. He started traveling around to promotional events, and all of these public appearances helped to solidify his rebellious image. General Motors was experiencing revenue declines, but Pontiac still made profits under DeLorean. In 1969, he was promoted again. Even with the questionable reputation, he was promoted to head the prestigious Chevrolet division. DeLorean was now making huge amounts of money. The equivalent today would make him a millionaire. On top of all this money he was making, he loved the spotlight. Most company executives at this time were not in the limelight, but DeLorean was different. He even had Lee Iacocca serve as his best man at his second wedding. DeLorean also became a partial owner in a few sports teams. He owned a large piece of the San Diego Chargers and later a piece of the New York Yankees. He would go on to open his life up into some celebrity circles like movie execs, talk show hosts, and the list goes on and on. As a result of all these things, he butted heads with a lot of other members of the General Motors executive team. DeLorean? He was in charge of a lot of projects that were very quickly falling behind. The past four years at General Motors had caused them to lose a lot of money, and all of these delays were certainly not helping. With all of the production issues that Chevy was having, DeLorean decided to simplify the mods to the Corvette and Nova so he could focus more on fixing Chevy's production problems. 
Back in 1971, Chevrolet was back in the game, selling over 3 million units and almost matching sales of the entire Ford Motor Company. In 1972, DeLorean was appointed Vice President of Car and Truck Production for the entire GM line. Many of the executives, again, were not very happy about this, though, and in mid-April of 1973, he left the company. He told the press, and I quote, I want to do things in the social area. I have to do them. And unfortunately, the nature of our business just didn't permit me to do as much as I wanted. Many believe that he was actually fired, and he was even given a Cadillac franchise in Florida as a retirement gift. He later became the president of the National Alliance of Businessmen, a charity organization. In 1973, John DeLorean would start his own company, the DeLorean Motor Company, DMC. In the mid-1970s, a two-seat sports car was produced and called the DeLorean Safety Vehicle, DSV. This vehicle was designed by an Italian designer from Atal Design. The car would eventually go into production as the DMC DeLorean. The production facility was built in a small suburb outside of Belfast, Ireland, called Dunmurry. The country of Ireland had massive incentives for building the plant here. The Northern Ireland Development Agency gave Renault, who was contracted to build the plant, 100 million pounds to build the plant and turn over 2,000 employees at peak production. The Irish factory eventually turned out over 9,000 cars. There were many delays in production, and the car didn't reach consumers until the start of 1981. The U.S. had just gone through a recession in 1980, so the car market was a completely different world from when the company started almost a decade prior. The initial reviews of the car were also not very exciting, and the unique design didn't make up for everything else that the car lacked. By the following year, almost 7,000 units remained unsold, and DMC was now $175 million in debt. Even though the DeLorean didn't sell that well and was somewhat of a cult classic, it certainly was unique and striking to look at. The DeLorean featured an unconventional design with its brushed stainless steel body and distinctive gulf wing doors. It was powered by a rear-mounted Peugeot Renault Volvo V6 engine and had a chassis designed by Lotus. This engine setup was unfortunately underpowered compared to other two-seat sport cars at the time. The 2.85-liter V6 engine only produced 130 horsepower and 153 pounds of torque. You could get the car in a three-speed automatic or a five-speed manual. The car had a sharp look, but a big price tag, so it didn't get a lot of praise from the industry and consumers. The car changed quite a bit from its original concept and prototypes. The first production car was completed on January 21, 1981. It went through many revisions to the hood, wheels, and interior, before the production finally ended in December of 1982. When the car was announced in the mid-70s, there were many things that were rumored to be included in the car. They wanted to have the car have great safety, so the prototypes had a passenger knee bar, which later was removed. The chassis was going to use a new untested molding method called elastic reservoir molding. ERM's basic advantages over conventional methods include weight reduction, higher impact resistance, and lower costs via the use of simpler presses and tooling. ERP consists of impregnating a flexible open-cell PUR foam with a thermosetting resin, applying dry, fibrous reinforcement on the two faces, and molding the sandwich on a heated match tool 
at about 100 PSI. The car would include a mid-engine design, airbags, a 10-mile-per-hour bumper when the standard was only 5, and ultra-wide Pirelli P7 tires. None of these items would make it to the final production stages. The mid-engine design is one of the things that changed the most about the DeLorean. The original plan was to have a Wankel rotary engine, but they ended production and forced DMC to go with the Ford Cologne V6 engine. In October of 1976, the first prototype was completed by American Automotive Chief Engineer William Collins. The car was originally set to list out for $12,000 upon release. The Cologne V6 would also be swapped out for the complete drivetrain from the Citroen CX-2000 because of reliability concerns. The inline four-cylinder engine would end up being too underpowered. DMC wanted to turbocharge the engine, but Citroen suggested they look elsewhere, so they would yet again move on to another platform. DMC would eventually settle on the V6 PRV engine. As a result of this change, the engine no longer could be mounted in the middle of the car and had to be pushed back. The slew of safety features that didn't make it to the final production severely hurt the timeline of production and forced a complete redesign. English engineer Colin Chapman, the founder of Lotus, would take on the task, and he ended up having to remove a large number of DMC's lofty ideas and use some of Lotus's known solutions. In 1982, the British government found out that DeLorean only had produced 8,500 total vehicles. From the very start of the production of the DMC-12, financial troubles followed. On top of not producing many units, DeLorean had transferred about half of the money he got in 1974. He put it into a Panamanian account. He moved these funds under the umbrella of General Product Development Services for the Lotus Car Group. This money never made it there. DMC produced another 2,000 cars in February of 1982 until DeLorean was arrested in October of that year. DeLorean was charged by the United States government with cocaine trafficking after a sting operation took place. An undercover federal agent had recorded DeLorean agreeing to be a part of a multi-million dollar cocaine operation. The FBI then sent him up with 59 pounds of cocaine that was worth more than $6.5 million. This was a piece of the over 200 pounds they had plans to move, $24 million in value. James Timothy Hoffman. He's the guy that tipped off the FBI of DeLorean as a way to try and get out of some federal cocaine charges of his own. He was also aware of the fact that DMC was failing and DeLorean needed some fast money. With a good lawyer, a lot can be accomplished. At trial, DeLorean's lawyer successfully made the case that the FBI and informants had unfairly targeted and entrapped him. On top of this, DeLorean had no past criminal history, and the informant who targeted him had something to gain from the situation. In August of 1984, DeLorean was found not guilty of his drug charges. Unfortunately, the damage had already been done as DMC was collapsing into bankruptcy and DeLorean's reputation was forever damaged. In September of 1985, DeLorean was indicted on tax evasion and fraud charges. They claimed he was diverting millions of company dollars into his own accounts. He was later acquitted of these charges as well. Even though the DeLorean Motor Company didn't last long and had a rough production history, the DMC DeLorean made its mark in automotive history. 
Its major role in the Back to the Future trilogy was a huge reason for that. People usually directly associate the car with Back to the Future. The most famous scene from the first film has the car going 88 miles per hour in order to activate its time-traveling features. The car's unique looks with gull wing doors and brushed stainless steel body made it an icon, and it really pushed the design into a futuristic space. Universal Studios built three DeLorean time machines for the original movie. They had A, B, and C cars for the movie. The A car was the hero car. The hero car got the most detail and was later used at Universal Studios Hollywood as an attraction. People would steal things off the car periodically, and they had to repair it back to perfection before sending it to the Peterson Automotive Museum in Los Angeles, California. The B car, well, that was a stunt vehicle used in all three of the movies. The car was intentionally hit by a train in one of the movies, and it was completely obliterated. They used pieces from the B car to go on to other replicas that were eventually made. The stunt car is now being displayed in Hubbardston, Massachusetts. The C car? Well, that was used exclusively for interior shots. The car was torn apart, and various pieces were taken out in order for the cameras to fit inside. Ford even offered $75,000 for the movie to feature a Ford Mustang instead. But Bob Gale, one of the writers of the movie, well, he declined. Looking back at the story of John DeLorean and the DeLorean Motor Company, it is a story of someone with endless supplies of ambition, forward-thinking, financial mismanagement, and legal controversies. John DeLorean's legacy is certainly mixed, but the DMC DeLorean continues to be admired and celebrated to this day for its unique design and its place in automotive history. John DeLorean passed away on March 19, 2005, at Overlook Hospital in Summit, New Jersey, at the age of 80. His ashes were buried at the White Chapel Cemetery in Troy, Michigan. His gravesite has a tombstone with the iconic DeLorean, with gullwing doors wide open. Thanks, everyone, for watching today's Test Drive podcast number 41. I'm Lee Baudet, your host. It's been a pleasure introducing you to our monthly segment of In the Rearview. Certainly hope that you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on our Test Drive podcast number 42. They usually come out on Friday afternoon. And remember, let's never forget the men and women serving this great country of ours. Goodbye, everybody.